Yes. Actually, but hey, we do. Uh, we have a uh, a treat for you today. If you look under your chair, there's a piece of gum. <laughs> As a kid, it'd be like, yes, yeah, there's a big piece, it's still fresh. No, uh, you know, I I grew up. I went to. I I was raised in the church, and I w- I was raised in a little church, and. Um, uh, one of the things that I thoroughly enjoyed as a kid was when missionaries would come and visit our church and they would tell their stories. And because uh, here's something, even now as I've gotten older and I get to hear people's stories and you could call it their testimony or just, you know, really the, the story of their journey. One of the things that I find, I never, I don't know about you, but I never get tired of hearing someone's story. And, and I find every time I hear someone's story, uh, I am reminded of and encouraged by just the faithfulness of God. I'm reminded that he really does have a plan for each one of us in this life, and he really is good at getting us where we need to get to and when we need to get there. And so today, uh, we're going to be, or we, me and all my personalities, are going to be, (laughs) you have no idea, well maybe you do, but uh, I am going to be interviewing Christopher. So Christopher Meyer, come on up. Uh, let's welcome Christopher. And uh, Christopher and Denise, who sang and led us this morning, they are missionaries down in Brazil in a city called Macapá, and uh, they're sent from this church. So I'm going to be interviewing you today, but now you had some folks you wanted to introduce to us first. Yes. Um, we, I think JT might have mentioned uh, me and Denise when we arrived in Macapá, we met some people that basically took us under their wing, helped us out, helped us find furniture and everything. And they told us uh, two years ago that they were going to come to the United States when we came back. And I, we were like, yeah, because we've heard that from a number of people when we, uh, since I've been in Brazil, so many people have told me, I'm going to come and visit the United States when you go back. But, it, you know, no one really it works towards it. But they started saving on that day and they actually are here with us tonight. So, Diego, Sijaneta, Levanta, por favor. They are me and Denise's very best friends in Macapá. They've been a blessing in our lives, for sure. And do you want to say, there's, are, are, there's more than just two of them? Well, there is... <laughs> <laughs> well... You guys don't know what he's talking about. I do. Uh, right before uh, Sijanea and Diego came, I think two days before they like left, uh, Sijanea found out that she was that she was pregnant, and so let's give that a, with their first child. So, you know, I I I feel you know I did this last night, but I I'm still nervous today, and I. Uh, I've been in Brazil for a while, and uh, I can speak Portuguese, but I, s- preaching in Portuguese, I, ha- I, have, I'm, I don't yet do that. Denise still translates for me. And maybe one of the, the reasons is because when I get real nervous, I, I can kind of look over at her and look into her beautiful eyes, and then I feel calm. And you, you're, you're a good-looking guy, Michael, I, but I might have to look over this way a little bit. No. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. I was going to wear a wig, but it really looked bad. So. <laughs> no. But hey, 
Um, well, let me pray, and then we'll, we're going to jump in. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you that uh, today, just I was thinking as JT was leading worship this morning, that just that reminder that we aren't singing about a God who's distant, but we're singing to a God who's with us. And I know there's things you want to do with us this morning. I know that you want to come close to people and speak to them and encourage them and remind them of things. And so uh, we just give you this morning and say, come and just be who you are. Come and move among us as, just as, as Christopher shares his story. Just come and move among us, Lord. We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, Christopher, I'm going to jump right in. Let me ask you right off the top. Um, again, did you always know or always want to be a missionary? You know, ever since I was a, a little kid, actually last night, there, uh, Jan Brady, who c- comes to this church, she was my uh, Sunday school teacher when I was in kindergarten. She said, you know, when you're in kindergarten, you said you wanted to be uh, a missionary. And actually, she said JT wanted to be a pastor. So I was like, wow. That was... But uh, ever since I was young, I remember uh, telling my parents that I wanted to be a missionary. And maybe I didn't quite understand exactly what that entailed, but uh, I do believe that God's always kind of laid it on my heart to uh, uh, be, be a missionary in my whole life. Um, and actually, when I was, I think, 16 or 17, I, I took a trip to Brazil um, when I was still in high school. And I really fell in love with Brazil and felt there was some kind of spark within me that uh, stuck with me after that point. And when I was uh, 20, I returned to Brazil, stayed there for three or four months to kind of feel it out to see if missionary work would be what I would like to do with my life. And did you feel at that time in Brazil, was that sort of where it really, that call really took hold? You know, uh, the story is a bit interesting, and can I say something really quick? Um, I'm going to be extremely candid with you guys, and I want to share my whole story uh, but my story, I don't want you guys to hear it as a story like, wow, look what Christopher overcame. Uh, I, I feel, it, it, there was one week my dad uh, was preaching up here, and he, was, he asked if he could use some of my testimony, and, and he, 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 he shared some of my testimony, but I could tell that he was holding a little bit back, protecting me, uh, trying not to embarrass me, or uh, and I felt like God said to me in that moment, He said, "Christopher, uh, your story, your legacy, can be about you, or it can be about me, Jesus." And at, from that point forward, I decided I'm going to just lay it all down. I'm going to be as honest as I can with people and let them see exactly because my story is really a story of God's redemption. My story is really a story of uh, God coming in a search party for me and rescuing me from the place I was. But yeah, I went, to, I went to Brazil when I was 20 because I felt like there was a chance that I was being called to be uh, uh, a missionary. But I was there for about four months, and while I was there, um, I couldn't speak any Portuguese. I was, uh, so I guess I was w- within my head a lot, and I, I started kind of discovering things about myself, and a lot of uh, things that I was discovering were, I, I am not ready for this. I am not ready to leave behind some, a lot of the things um, in the States. And a lot of the issues were 
were pride in me, that I had some cool things coming going on in the in the states at the time. Um, I I liked that recognition, and to and I liked I liked just a lot of the things that were happening, and I I, I realized I'm I'm not ready to let go of those things. But I want to be ready to let go of those things. I want to be at the place where I can just let everything go and follow you, Jesus. So, you know, I was a bit of a, uh, I was a bit dramatic when I was 20 years old. I, maybe I'm still a bit dramatic, but um, at times. And, but true story, I was out on the river in Brazil during this period, and I was really wrestling with pride in my heart and seeing it very clearly. And I at a moment, we got off the boat, we walked into the jungle, and I went off by myself, and I like fell on my knees, and I said, God, just rip it out of me, however you can, whatever it takes, humble me, whatever it takes, prepare me to be a missionary, whatever it takes. Nothing happened in that moment, um, and actually, a few weeks later, I returned back to the United States, and about a few, uh, a few weeks after that, I had a dream, and the dream, it was an odd dream, but I had a dream that my phone was ringing, and I picked up the phone and answered it, and on the other line was Satan speaking to me, and um, uh, the devil, and, he, and I couldn't understand what he was saying, but I got the sense that he was speaking a curse over me of some sort. And I woke up right after that dream, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you're about to enter into a season of trials. You're you're about to enter into a difficult season of your life. And at that point, I thought, okay, um, I'm going to have a hard month. That's what I was thinking. I'm going to, it's going to be a difficult month. I, I, called, I called my father, uh, Danny, and I told him about the dream and told him what I thought it meant. And he says, yeah, that sounds about right. And about two weeks after that, I started to get sick. And, you know, I started having pain in my stomach, and we started having to go to the emergency room, and after many visits to the emergency room, and after I had lost a lot of weight and constant pain for months and months, they discovered that I have Crohn's disease, and I had a, a very aggressive form of Crohn's disease. So that was a bit of a devastating blow in my life, um, because basically at that point I realized, well, missionary work is off the table because basically the doctors are telling me this is going to follow you around forever uh where and i knew where i wanted to go do missionary work it was gonna be hard to get the medicines that i needed in that area and even on the medicines um i was back and forth from the hospital through that period i was in pain a lot so the doctors began to prescribe me pain medicine and opiates uh oxycontin and I developed an addiction to the pain medicine. And I was in constant pain, so the doctors were basically just, one doctor in particular was handing it out like candy, just as much as I wanted. Whenever I called them, I could have it. And my addiction grew and grew where my life, it, w it became from the moment I woke up in the morning to the moment I went to sleep, I was under the influence of these drugs. And the addiction grew and grew through years. This is ongoing through many years. And it, uh, by the end of it, I was addicted to heroin. I started buying on the streets, uh, 
because I developed a tolerance towards the other medicine. So I had slowly became farther and farther away from God, and I think it was more of this, in my mind, it wasn't a, it wasn't a uh, fast process. I, you know, I, when I was younger, I would hear about you know, drug addicts or heroin addicts especially, and I'd be like, how does someone end up there? And I, I realize, and I realize now in my life, it is true, it is very true and absolutely true that God has a plan for your life. But it is also true that the enemy also has a plan for your life, and he's not stupid. And he laid out just, I never took a huge step. It was one little step at a time, farther and farther and farther away from God, until one day I'm looking, thinking, how did I end up here? And so at this point, this is going on for years, I just let go. I mean, all the thoughts of missionary work, obviously, uh, were completely in the past. I, I was not involved in church. I was really not walking with the Lord at all, obviously. And, but I began, I finally got to a point where I began to decide, you know, I need to get this fixed in my life. I need, so there was a process of me trying to get clean. And this process of getting clean was uh, one of the hardest things I ever had to go through. It was definitely a two-step forward, one-step back process. And, you know, it's one of those things that I, I tell a, a parents uh, who have kids who have struggled with addiction or, you know, people who have friends or brothers who struggle with addiction, that it's, it's a, most of the time with people with heavy addictions, it's a process of getting clean because when I was younger, I thought I would, I would meet people who are addicts and I would, my mindset was always like, just quit, just stop. It's, it's your choice. You can do it or you cannot do it. It was that simple to me. Like, stop drinking, stop doing drugs, whatever. But I realized that when I was actually in the addiction, the way that I felt was that I was pushing a boulder, uh, a huge rock uphill from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep. And, and if I let up for a moment, if I just put my guard down for a moment, I would fall. And so most of the times when I would relapse after the point when I started trying to quit, it was not because I really missed the drugs. It was just I was just so tired. I was just so exhausted from fighting. And, but I began to get some traction through this period. I began, you know, the periods of me being clean became longer and longer and longer where eventually I was able to get past this point in my life. I think, you know, it would be in my mind, I was hoping that when I got clean, that everything would be great all of a sudden. All, everything would, you know, things would kind of work out for me um, quickly, and I would feel hope again. And, but that's not what happened. And after I had gotten clean, I entered into a very dark season. Um, I was extremely depressed and anxious and confused. I was dealing with a, a ton of guilt now all the damage I had done in my own life, in my family's life, in my friend's life was very clear to me. I'm thinking clearly. I'm seeing it very clearly. And uh, a lot of, it felt very overwhelming. And I felt like I had trouble connecting with God. I felt like I had ruined anything. The, the one good thing during this period is I did find a medicine for my, my Crohn's disease that was working. That was uh, working for me. So that was a good point. But I, I was just pushing through trying to find life again, 
trying to find meaning again, trying to find hope again, and I felt like there was no hope. And many times I would have conversations with JT or my parents, and I would say, I, I just feel empty. I just feel empty inside. I feel broken. I feel dead inside, and I don't know how to get it back. I don't know how to get hope. I don't know how to feel whole again. I'm trying to reach out to Jesus. I was trying. I would get involved in ministry here. I, would, uh, I started leading small groups, but it just nothing felt right. I just couldn't do anything right. So this was a very difficult time in my life, and I, I think, you know, there's probably many people here have been through periods where you came out maybe of an addiction, or maybe you had somebody close to you who passed away, or maybe you're just hitting a wall for one reason or another, but you're just... Finding hope in your life is a very interesting thing. It's not a matter of, well, just decide to have hope. Like, it, it's, it was... It was, I I felt like it was always out of reach. So things began to start happening, and I I decided during this part of my life, well, I guess this is your reality for now on, so this is life until you die. So just, you know, my later 20s, my early 30s. And I, maybe for some of you, it's hard to believe a person in their, you know, later 20s, early 30s, feels like their life is over, but that's how I felt. I literally felt like my life was over. And so I just decided, well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus, so I will commit to him no matter if it's fun or not, no matter if it works for you, like, no matter. And so I just decided that. And so I I began to have some things happening slowly, though. I would have uh, there was a one time there was a uh, a guest speaker here at this church named Robbie Dawkins, and he was preaching and he stopped and he called me out of the the crowd and he told me to stand up and he did, I never had met him he didn't know who I was, and he said I had to stop because God has a call in your life God's calling you to missions and it was like at that time it it was it meant something to me. But it wasn't like, well, all right, I'm going to go and do missions. It was more like surprise, like God still sees me. Well, can I jump in there? Because, yeah. you know, as I listened to your story, did you then, you know, you're coming through this, this you know, you, there's this call, you're on your knees in the jungle, you know, great, great, just this, you know, big experience, and then everything goes south. And then now as you're sort of, you know, heading back towards God, did you feel disqualified? Did you feel like... How is he going to use me because I'm damaged goods? And, and the reason why I'd like you to speak into that is because I, I was thinking this morning, uh, I don't think I know anyone that hasn't received like a, a, a dream or a sense from God. And, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm thinking of everyone in this room that I just know that there's, there's a time in your life where you had a sense from God that, hey, I think he's made me to do this. Or I think, you know, it just, it just seemed like this invitation. And I don't think I know anyone that didn't sort of have that nudge from God that it wasn't challenged. That, you know, you, you know, it's like, I want you to be this over here. And suddenly your life goes over there and you're like, this doesn't make any sense at all. And I, I don't know about you, but I think I do know about you that, that one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to say, you lost, you missed out. You missed your opportunity. You're now, you're disqualified from God's plan for you. So could you speak into that? Because that's... Yeah, I mean, at that point, I mean, I, I, I had, I was convinced that I was, had went past the point of return. 
that I was too broken at this point to really do anything, you know, effective for for God. I I definitely uh, felt disqualified, and and I I think. But, you know, as far as, you know, missionary work and all that stuff, that was like, I mean, I it wasn't even thinking, can I do that? But even just leading a small group or even going and evangelizing, speaking to somebody about Jesus, I just felt completely like an idiot. Like, who are you? Like, how, how could you do any of this? And so there came a very special day where everything changed. And I... I I don't know any better way to describe it. I, I call it my, my personal Pentecost, is what I kind of named this day. Um, I, I was at my parents' house. They were actually in Brazil at the time. And they, they go to Brazil a lot, you know, every year pretty much during this period. Ever since I was a little kid, they would go to Brazil pretty much every year. They were in Brazil during this time, and I, I was just in my in in this room reading my bible and got and and all of a sudden out of nowhere i heard this voice real clear in my mind just say are you ready to go to brazil and i thought well that's uh i it was it took me so off guard from left field and then all of a sudden the holy spirit just came upon me and just came so strong and i began to cry, weep really, and just because it was the first time in forever that God's presence just, I could feel his love surround me, and hope just started streaming back into my heart, and then all of a sudden I started having visions, and I, I, the first vision I had is I could hear my voice saying to my parents, saying to JT, I feel empty inside. I could hear it, my voice saying that. And then I had this picture, I'm going to stand up for a second so I can illustrate it. I saw my body laying on the ground. I saw my, but it was empty. I, there was no flesh inside. It was just uh, skin laid out on the ground. And I saw Jesus walk into the room. And he, he picked up my skin, and he began to put my skin on like clothes. And he, he, I heard him say to me, Christopher, I needed to empty you out so I could fill you back up with me. And he said, and, and then all of a sudden I had this flashback of me in the jungle all those years before. I said, God, whatever it takes whatever it takes. And I want to be clear that I, uh, maybe some of you are thinking, well, so God got you, made you sick? God got you addicted to drugs? And that's not what I'm saying. But we see, basically, uh, there's themes that we see in the Bible. We see, with, like, for example, with Job. Job went through way worse things than me. And it's a hard book to read. And I, I, I used to hate that book. I was like, how, how could this happen? But there was something that happened at the end of Job that I always, that I love now, after all of what Job went through, after his whole life was destroyed, he speaks to God and he says, I've heard of your name, but now I have seen your face. Because there is something that going through trials, going through hardships, where God gets deeper and deeper and digs down into us. And James talks about it in his book, Rejoice When You Go Through Trials. And I, and I realized that God warned me in the dream, you're about to go into this season. It's going to happen. And then it happened. But God was always working. He was always there. He was always working. And I came out of this place where I'm realizing 
And God said, could you go and let go of everything now and go to Brazil and be a missionary? And I said, absolutely. And I was ready. So I'll leave it all. I felt like God spoke to me. I didn't say a word to anybody about it. Uh, A week later, my parents arrived. They walked through the door, and within a few minutes, both my parents say, Christopher, have have you thought about being a missionary in Brazil? And I looked at them like, did I, did I email you this? Um, because I, I was convinced I emailed him. I am not joking. I just thought, and I said, why do you ask? And they said, well, we just kept on seeing things while we were there that kept on, you kept on coming to mind. And I said, guys, you wouldn't believe it, but God spoke to me that I'm supposed to go to Brazil. And so that was enough confirmation for me to at least start taking some steps. And God kept on opening doors and opening doors and opening doors. Six months later, I was in Brazil. So, <laughs> clap, 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 clap. <laughs> So you, again, so you had this call, everything goes south, and then you have like this recall. So before you went to, like, was it clear sailing that time? You know, it's amazing the power of when you know that God's with you, you know? Like, I, it's, I, you know, the enemy would try to come and say, you're, this is ridiculous, Christopher. You're not ready for this. This is, uh, you know, you used to be a drug addict. You used to, and but God would come in then and say, read through the Bible. You're the perfect type of person I like to use. And it's true. I, God kept on telling me, you're in good company, Christopher. I, uh, and, and so, yeah, so it was, you know, when I got to Brazil, there, it was a transition time. Uh, I, I met my uh, wife, Denise, pretty quickly. We became very good friends. She was one of the only people that could speak English there. And uh, we became good friends, but really, like, early, I realized, you know, I wanted to go plant churches. I was so excited for God. I I just thought, I'm going to try to plant as many churches as I can. And talking to her, she had the same vision. And uh, she's been such a blessing in my life. So even part of my recovery and part of my growing, I'm still, you know, I'll be growing until the day I die. And, 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 but yeah, it was, it's been a process for me, but knowing that Jesus is there for me and he continues to speak into my life moment by moment, I'm, I'm here. And Ian seeing in hindsight and seeing that he was never away. He was always there. There was something that he was up to. And with people going through things, I've talked to so many people uh, going through different things in their life that their people are convinced that they're, they've been abandoned by Jesus. And I was one of those people. But it's just never true. And it's just not true. And he's always working. And he always has a plan a much bigger picture than we have. Well, you know, and I, I, I've said this to Christopher so many times of how I never get tired of hearing his story because it is so encouraging to me, both for my own life and for the lives, you know, of my children and, and just, you know, and people I care about. And because and one of the things that I've observed in these guys, last year, JT and I took a team down to Brazil to Macapá where uh, Christopher and Denise are working and it's so obvious that they are where God wants them to be, and they're doing what he's made them to do. They went to a little vineyard church in Macapá, and I think there was like eight 
okay, 15. It sounds, you're, that sounds better. I was going to say 20, but there's 15, 15 people there. One of those people didn't want to be there. Okay, so there's like this small church, and they, <laughs> and they went there, and last year we went to visit, I think it had grown to like 60. Yeah, last year. And then JT was just back there like a month ago, a month and a half ago, and it's like over 100 people. Well, Am I? Yeah, you got it? We're, sorry, yeah. Don't talk to the microphone now. Yeah, we're uh, around 100. That's including children. Yeah. Well, we always include children. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes like it, we like our we have a children's service, so it's separated from the, our. Basically, we're at capacity. Our church is very small. Uh, our church is very small, so we we ran out of room, and uh, people were sitting on the floors. And the children, we had to just from the moment they get to church, we had a children's service with worship and everything set up for the children. So uh, yeah, that's why I said it that way. And they're cool. And so, and part of the reason why I bring that up is just really to say to you guys. Just how, I mean, personally, but just as a church, how proud we are of you. Because I know that your, I, mean, I know it's the faithfulness of God, and, and I love what you said off the top. It's not, you know, look at what Christopher did, but I, but I really do marvel at God, how God is working through you guys, and how literally, it, I mean, just being there watching them, it's like, you know, I watch Christopher and Denise walk around. It's like they're, they're like fruit trees walking around and fruits just plop, 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 falling all over the place. And, and it really is that way. And I just, just to really, just so that you guys know that, I mean, it's just so cool to see you doing it. You know, and I think of how the enemy, it's no wonder the enemy said, I don't want this to happen. Because there are lives in Brazil that are being changed there are men and women, boys and girls who are being introduced to Jesus. There are leaders being raised up, pastors being raised up, and, and God is, and I just, I, we're just so proud of you and what God is, is doing through you. So let me, let me then, let's jump to where you are now, and maybe could you share what's going on now, and you're here, you're in Macapá, uh, and yeah, just fill us in on that. When, when me and Denise uh, joined the church in Macapá, uh, we made a commitment to the pastor there, we'll stay here, we're going to stay here for two years. And then the plan was that we were going to go and plant after two years. So we've been there for two years. We feel, we feel good about the growth and feel good about uh, not just numbers-wise, but the growth maturity-wise, that as soon as we get back to Brazil, uh, me and Denise and actually Diego and Sijinea and uh, a few other people um, are going to go and plant a new church on the other side of Macapá. Macapá is a, a capital city, about 350,000 people. The church will be about a half an hour on the other side of town, half an hour away from the present church. So we're extremely excited to do that. So, and you've been in Macapá now, is it three years or two years? Two years. Two years. So what, <laughs> what has been the thing or the theme? You know, now you're there, you're doing it. What's been sort of the theme that God's been teaching you while you're down there? You know... Me and Denise talk about it a lot. Probably Jago's sick of me talking about it because I'm... Uh, and this maybe seem obvious to you guys, but maybe I'm stupid, but I have need God to remind me of this daily. Um, that what we do as Christians in our lives, His approval of needs to be number one. His approval needs to be the primary thing that we're looking at. And what I mean by that is our jobs, we have great seasons that are, everything's working great. We have difficult seasons where nothing's working right. Uh, 
there's times just, you know, before I was a missionary, there's, you know, times you go and talk to somebody about Jesus, it goes great, and then the next day it goes horrible, and the person's mad at you, and I realized, I got, there's a picture, there's an illustration I'll kind of, uh, I'll say to explain this. I imagine, or you can imagine, that you're one of the disciples, you're one of the twelve, and I, I imagine I'm one of the disciples, and then one day, I decide, you know what? I'm going to go do all the things that Jesus has been trying to talk, uh, teach me. I'm going to go and pray for the sick. I'm going to go feed the poor. I'm going to go, you know, just go love on people like Jesus. I'm going to try to do all the things he's doing. So I go out that morning, and all day long I'm working. I'm working hard. I'm, I'm, I'm praying for the sick. I'm bringing food to the poor. I'm doing all these things. And maybe it goes good. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but that evening, I go back to the to the room with the disciples. I go back and meet with them, and I sit down, and I'm, I kind of walk in expecting them to be like, good job, Christopher, you got out there and did this stuff. But they don't say a word. They didn't notice. Or maybe they just don't care. And I sit down, disappointed, and but then Jesus walks in the room, and he sits down at the table, and he looks down at me, and he says, I saw you. And Jesus said to me, he said, if that's not good enough for you, then don't do what you're doing. Because it has to be good enough that I see you. You know, and as you're saying that, there's a, and I can't, I was trying to pull up where the verse is, but where Paul <clears throat> is talking about the difference between living to please people or living to please Jesus. And he makes this statement that, well, where he says, uh, I think it goes something like, if I were living to please people, I, I can't follow Jesus. Like, you can't follow both. And as you were saying that, I just sense that there's, there's people here today that God wants to unplug you from people's opinions. He wants to sort of sever that tie that yanks you around. Does that make sense? That what people think or their, their opinions of who you are or, or what you're doing, I think God really wants to, uh, we'll get to that in a little bit here, but really wants to set some people free from being dragged around by, uh, for people pleasing. But um, we're wrapping up here in a little bit. <clears throat> Christopher, what now? So I'm looking at all these wonderful people. And what can we do to get behind what you guys are doing as missionaries? Well, um, I, one of the, the biggest things, and I, I truly mean this, is we have a number of people that have committed to pray for me in Denise and what we're doing. And I was just talking to my mom this morning before I came here that I'm a true believer in the power of prayer. She told me, she said, you know, when you were in that period, she, was, she felt called to just go into spiritual warfare. She, she would just pace around the house just praying and praying for me. And, uh, and I truly believe that this one of the reasons that I was saved, that God, you know, God was hearing those prayers. And I, I think a lot of the good things that have happened in Brazil for me in Denise and the, the, um, the, thing, the good things that have happened, I almost can feel the prayers coming that way. And so we have some cards out on the tables. Me and Denise and actually Diego and Sijanae will be there with us. We'll be talking to people after the service. We have cards uh, with our picture and our names. The picture is really old. We need to get a new one. But a picture and our names. And 
people have grabbed those cards and just put them on the refrigerator or something as a reminder. Also, there's our email addresses on there. Um, and so one of the most encouraging things is when I get emails from people just encouraging things uh, and just just hearing that someone's praying for us, someone's thinking of us, helps us feel kind of spurred on and with and just feels part of the family. So praying and then email, and can people, I don't know if I missed this, but people, can they sign up to get your newsletter? Oh, yeah. So yeah, once a month, uh, we, uh, I send out a newsletter, just an update of what I've been up to. So I know many of you are on that, that list, but if you are not on that list and would like to be part of that newsletter, you can just put your name on the, it's, it's real short, it's just once a month. If you ever decide you don't want to receive it, you can write me and tell me, take you off the list. But it's uh, uh, if you would like to hear what we're up to, uh, we have a list out there to put your name and email on. So prayer, email, uh, what about financial? Um, yeah. Um, me and Denise, we're, like, as I just said, we're about to plant a church in Makapaa. And uh, with that, we're going to mo- have need to move to that side of town. And so we have a lot of uh, expenses coming up. There's many of you that do support me and Denise and what we're doing already, and it's such a blessing. Um, but we're needing to, uh, it's very obvious, we're needing to raise our support a bit because we have a lot of new expenses that are coming our way. Um, so yeah, uh, if, you, if you would feel, if you pray about it and you feel that God puts on your heart that you would like to support us uh, financially, uh, on the card as well out there, uh, it has a, a website that if you just go to that website and click on my name, me and Denise's name, it will take you through the steps of how to support us. And here's something I've learned <clears throat> with, with missionaries. You know, I, I think uh, many times we hesitate to get on board financially because we think, well, well, I don't have lots of, you know, I don't just have like a money tree in the backyard. And, uh, and what I've learned, though, is that if a bunch of people commit to giving $10 a month, $20 a month, it's not huge for us on this side, but it's huge for them. Because we think, boy, you know, to be significant, it needs to be like hundreds of dollars a month. But the problem with that is when you've got just a few large givers, is if one of them has a downturn in their business or, you know, just life happens and they pull out, suddenly for our missionaries, it's like a major chunk of their you know, income has just disappeared. And so one of the things we encourage is just to have a lot of people giving a little bit. So I want to strongly encourage you, if you, if you aren't supporting uh, missionaries, to just to consider today to jump on board and get behind these guys. I know, you know, moving into the new church, etc. cetera, uh, um, you know, there are going to be some very real expenses and we, we want to get behind you guys. So, hey, so uh, any last words before we switch gears? You know, I'm just want to say how much of a blessing it is to be back here. Uh, there's lots of new faces, lots of people I don't know, uh, lots of people I've known since I was a little kid. But uh, uh, it's me and Denise are so happy to be back here with uh, our our Vineyard family. Just uh, we're me and Denise are here for the next three months after this. So um, feel free, grab us, chat with us. Um, we would love to talk to as many people as we can. Yeah, the goal is for them to be out having dinner with someone every night. <clears throat> it's long. Oh, I wouldn't. No, no. It was a Portuguese joke. Hey, well, why don't we, why don't we stand up? <clears throat> so here's, again, I started off by saying one of the things I love about hearing 
a story like, like this. And I don't know about you, but even, you know, I heard this last night. I'm going to hear it again in a little bit here in the next service. But every time I hear this, it just speaks encouragement to me. And it reminds me that, it reminds me that we're not alone in this life. It reminds me that, you know, the plans God has for you, that he is going to make it happen. That he is faithful. He knows how to get you to where you need to be and when you need to be there. So how we want to end off today is, come on up, Naomi, is uh, I know this morning God has been moving around this room and just saying that that's for you. That's what you need to take home. I know there's people here today that you do feel disqualified. You know, you feel like you went left when God said go right, so you're out of the game now. And God wants to encourage you this morning that, that that's not true. That's not true. The plans, the call, the, the dream that you have, that, the thing that God gave you, that invitation, it is still on the table. And so we want to encourage you today. I, I believe that there are parents here today, you have a wandering child. And that, that's why I, I love this story, because I do. I have a child that's going that way, and God wants him to go this way. And every time I hear this story, I go, yes, God. Yes, God, it gives me hope that, God, that he is not out of the game and that God is pursuing him. So uh, if that's you, parents, we want to pray for you. I believe that there are people here today, God wants to uh, confirm his call in your life. And whether it's to be a missionary, whatever it is, but, but just to confirm that next step in your life, that he's, he's been nudging you this morning, and we want to uh, bless that in you. And then there was one more... And I think I've lost it. Anything, Christopher, you want to add? You know, I, a lot of it is uh, the amount of people I've talked, I've talked mm-hmm. to recently that just have lost hope in their life, that yeah. feel just not just losing hope, but just have a lack of energy. And even there was a guy last week, actually, at the service, you might be here to, tonight, who was saying, you know, I, I feel like I want to, uh, God's calling me to go and share my faith, but I... I'm having trouble just taking that kind of first step. I just feel kind of stuck. So I feel like there's people that have been feeling kind of that whisper in the the back of their head, like God saying, it's time to take that next step. And uh, where I, I feel like if you come up and get prayer, God can give you a little bit of that push to get you going. So uh, uh, Naomi's going to lead us in a song. If any of those things hook your heart, I just ask you to come forward. We want to pray for you. We want to bless what God's doing in your life. And, and as people come forward, let's make sure uh, guys praying for guys, gals for gals. If you aren't praying, if you uh, aren't getting prayer, I'd encourage you to just to join in the song and sing. But come on up, and then uh, I'll come back in a bit to, to end the song. Make sure everyone has someone praying for them.
pray today that you would uh, just for each one of us you know what's going on in all of our lives I pray that you would uh, just stir hope in our hearts hope that you're with us that you're for us that you are working in the midst of whatever's going on in our lives Lord I pray you'd keep us close to you We just thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for how faithful you are to just keep reminding us and, 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 